Hey guys, I have a question for you. Are serial killers born to kill or does their obsession develop in childhood? Have you ever stopped to think about it? After researching some of the sickest and most distorted minds on the planet, I've come to believe it's usually a blended mixture of both. Arthur Conan Doyle, British writer most known for his adventures of Sherlock Holmes, once said, A man's brain originally is like a little empty attic, and you have to stock it with such furniture as you choose. Supporting the nurture theory, this makes sense. Factoring in that 70% of serial killers have known childhood abuse or other adolescent traumas, plus FBI statistics stating most serial killers are based right here in the United States. However, the biological determinism theory also holds water. Using the latest brain scanning technology, a scientist can map out neural connections in the brain. And yes, a psychopath's brain differs completely from the rest. A smaller amygdala, for example, tends to mean that the person is more empathy deficient. Tonight, we look into the mind of a serial killer, a real Jekyll and Hyde personality, who sat on Florida's death row for 34 years as our top scientific minds asked that same question. Was Bobby Joe Long, known to many as the Tampa Bay serial killer and also the classified ad rapist, a product of his disastrous childhood, or was he simply born to kill? So tonight I got a great story. We're covering uh, serial killer tonight. Ooh. Ooh, been a while. Happy October, by the way, everyone. Yes, yes. Spooky season. Last time I said that the stories for the beginning of October will hint at a big project that I've been working on, and I'm going to release the project, said project. In the middle of October, I think October 15th or somewhere around there. Ooh, only so, two weeks away. Yeah, so these stories, you will be able to see the link between all of these stories that I'm doing. And I'm not going to make it obvious, but I think I will let you know, okay, this part of the story relates to what I'm doing, the the project. It's a it's a. It's a standalone podcast. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> I'm going to stop calling. Let's just yeah. call it I'm what a, it's going to be. I'm going to stop saying project because it kind of sounds weird. It's a standalone podcast and it's one story. So I want to know if anyone has any good guesses out there once we do these next few episodes. All right. So tonight we are going to Tampa, Florida. Ooh. I've never been to Tampa. Yeah, me neither. May 13th, 1984 is where I'm starting the story tonight. This is actually when the first victim was found. Now, this is a serial killer we're talking about tonight. And when I say victim, I meant murder victim. He's actually raped up to 150 Holy females. Holy shit. And he was known as the classified ad rapist Ooh. because he would find these classified ads in the newspaper about people trying to sell their home he would go to the house and if there was no man at the house if it was just the female he would force his way in mm. and mm. claim another rape victim now this is the first murder that he's done from what we know 
So he escalated kind of similar to like the Golden State Killer. Yeah, exactly. And or kind of like the handyman killer. Mm, forgot about him. Exactly. And the FBI was involved in this case. Not only was he escalating, but he was also killing more and more often with a with a uh, shorter cooldown period. So the story I'm telling you tonight is within an eight month time period. Hmm. Not only that, this serial killer, his name is Bobby Joe Long. And we're going to talk about him a little bit. I don't think you guys have heard of him. Mm -mm. But he has been on death row in Florida for as long as I've been alive. Whoa. Holy crap. 34 years on death row. That is not a speedy process. A lot of that is to do with Florida's laws. And I'll get into a little bit about that. And there was a lot of legal technicalities, too. A lot to do with his mental health and things of that nature. Anyway. He was executed last year in 2019. Wow. But it took 34 years to kill this guy. Wow. So think about our tax dollars or Floridians tax dollars, housing this guy, feeding this guy, all his appeal processes, all this stuff. And to finally put him to death. And even when he did get put to death, it was a matter of human cruelty because this is crazy. As more and more states stop killing people, mm -hmm. the companies that provide the chemical for the lethal injections, mm -hmm. they are not around anymore. So they wanted to use a different type of chemical. And I'm not a chemist, so you know, forgive me. But it came out in the news that this chemical would cause him intense pain. Ooh. And they, there was actually a debate about that for over a year, whether or not they should use this chemical on this guy. Because See, he was, I mean, I know he's going to die, but should he be in, in intense pain during that process? Here's my thing. You guys know where I stand on the death penalty. Yeah. But if you're killing someone for killing other people, I feel like, and this may sound, you know, contradictory to where my other stances on many things are, I feel like it... It shouldn't matter. Interesting. I'm surprised that you're taking that. Right. Stance. I just feel like you want it, to do it in the most humane way possible, but like they didn't well, care about the humanity of anyone else. So if you're going to kill someone and on death row, mm -hmm. which we all know, I'm I don't stand for that. But if you are to kill someone who's already killed people, and if he was a rapist as well, we can all imagine that his deaths. Well, we haven't heard the story yet, but I can only imagine that his. His method was not like, oh, let me just like put you to sleep like you're an animal that's trying to cross the rainbow bridge. Like that just they're not an animal that's trying to cross the rainbow bridge. They're an animal. Right. But yeah. but it's I don't know. I just feel like it shouldn't. It's interesting matter. because we it, you, like our death penalty has evolved. You know, it's been hanging electric chair like those are painful yeah. you know painful ways to die in the lethal injection well that's funny that you, know? you said that because at first he was condemned to die with electric chair and then as uh, florida yeah, got rid of go. the electric chair they changed him over so interesting he he's actually been on death row to see several laws changed yeah and it's kind of crazy but this story isn't really well known with such a prolific killer um, the name sounds familiar. I feel like there's a song written about him. Like the Pina Colada song? Because that's no, what I thought of when you said Bobby, the classified ad. Bobby Joe Long? Like, I feel like that is a song, a country song or something. Oh, no, what? you're talking about the the 
the song that Janis Joplin, no, it's not Janis Joplin, but they sing about how Bobby so-and-so jumps off the Tallahatchie Bridge. That's what you're thinking of. I don't know. I think that's what I'm you're not, thinking uh, of. Possibly. But I feel like the name was... When you said the classified ad rapist, I thought of the Pina Colada song. Well, there's Ah. other... There were other classified ad rapists, and Ann Rule actually wrote a book about the want ad rapist. Now, I haven't covered that story, but I do know there were more classified ad rapists out there. Mm. They should have... Like the Craigslist killer, kind of a similar mm, one. His moniker should have been the Tampa uh, Bay serial killer or something like that but that never stuck i don't know and since we're going to 1984 he was actually questioned in another really big case of an unknown serial killer that was working at this time in washington oh you want to take a guess who that was he was actually questioned bundy no one of the detectives actually questioned this guy and said hey you don't have anything to do with them Green River murders, do you? Ah. He actually spent time up around the Green River area during those murders, but he had nothing to do with it. Interesting. Yeah, it's kind of a crazy thing. May 13th, 1984, we're going to a cow pasture. And if you're a new listener and this is your first episode, I put all my sources, videos, and images on talkmurder.com. So go there and even leave me a comment on the blog post. All right, so May 13th, 1984, it's Mother's Day. We're southeast of Tampa near I-75. Two 17-year-old boys were playing in a cow pasture, probably looking for some mushrooms, and they came across a body, quote, infested with maggots. Oof. Yuck. This is the location they were at, if you want to kind of describe that for us. Very desolate. Lots of green fields. It looks like, is there a dirt road leading up to it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a dirt road. A fence. Yeah, very good. So that's actually a barricade, which oh. you can see here. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, and this is by the interstate I-75. So this is like a expressway or something that they're building. That's why the barricade is right there, because it's a construction area. They're building like an overpass or something. Mm. Whatever they're doing, they're building it right here. Mm-hmm. So that barricade you see right there... If you go past that, and about 300 feet from that in in the wooded area is where the body was. Okay. Now, the body has been there for quite a while, and the Florida heat is not really great for decomposition. It it speeds it up, and and that's why all the maggots were everywhere. Everybody tonight has maggots on it. And I was actually really wondering this, and I'm not trying to sound insensitive, but these bodies are covered with maggots. Right. So what do they do to transfer the body in the body bag into the morgue? Do they just brush the maggots off? And I'm not trying to be insensitive. I really want to know. I imagine that they would take photos before they did anything with the maggots. Because you're talking mm-hmm. about thousands probably of little maggots everywhere. And how do they get them off? Do they just put the body in there with the maggots in the bag? If anyone's out there that's a cop or a detective, I really want to know that question. Never thought about it before. No, I never did either. It reminds so glad me of, we just ate. Yeah. Well, at least we ate already and we're not like yeah. about to eat. But um, it kind of reminds me of the keepers, how they found oh, her body. Oh, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But I've been covering serial killers and murderers for three years, and I've never thought about that until this story. And it's probably because the author of the book that uh, we're reading from tonight went into such great detail about it for some reason. Anyway, that reminds me, I do need to tell you about the book we're reading tonight. Before we go 
any further. The book is called Bound to Die. It's by Anna Flowers. Hmm. And uh, I'll put a link to that book on talkmurder.com. So if you want to check it out. The woman lay on her stomach, her legs forced apart, wider than she was tall. Some inhumane creature had pounded her severely and lashed her wrists behind her back with knotted rope. A cumbersome noose had been looped three times around her neck and tied with still another kind of rope. She looked monstrously like a roped and tied calf that had been mangled and left in the field. Oh, no. And what you read there is from the Bound to Kill book by Anna Flowers. And you'll be reading, and we'll be reading a few uh, snippets from there. We'll also be reading from various newspapers and other sources like that. But the position of her body, her legs were pulled apart at right angles. Oh. So think about that. Her legs, both legs, you know how they go straight? Like at the hip. Like yeah, she, at the hip. Oh, man. So a right angle is how many degrees, Yeah, Jen? 90. 90 yeah, you, degrees. So my, it's an my L. My leg don't do that. Uh-uh. An L. She's basically doing a split. And, these, and her legs were forced apart by the killer. Oh, no. Okay. This guy is a monster. Now, this is the first murder. And so is he sexually assaulting the yeah. victim as yeah. part of that? Yeah, that's a great question. I'm going to get into that in a second. There's no good way of how this could come out of my mouth. But, like, I hope that he mangled her after she was passed. Mm. Like, that... She didn't suffer, yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I, I you know... I, well, I can guarantee you that she suffered quite a bit. Oh, oh. No. She's pretty. Yeah. Yeah, she is really pretty. So go to talkmore.com to see her victim profile there. Can you please describe her for the audience? Big 80s dark hair. Did you say big? Big 80s dark hair. Her oh, hair oh, big hair. Yeah, yeah. 80s hair, yeah. Nice what smile. did you think I said? I thought you said big. No, big well, 80s know. hair. Big 80s hair, yeah. Big 80s hair. In this picture, she's wearing like a bathing, bathing suit. suit. So what is that? Uh, what's that hairstyle called? I, I mean, I don't know what, if there's a name for it other than big Ultra 80s clutch. hair. Y'all should bring that back. I like that big old curly hair. No. I have kind of curly hair, but it doesn't do that. What a nationality would you consider her? I would say Asian American. I was going to say like Thai, maybe, Hold on. or Filipino. Yeah, so Jen, you're right. She is Asian. In fact, she's Laotian. Oh, from Laos. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. You know um, who is also from Laos? Who? I don't know her name, but if you guys watch King of the Hill, Hank's oh. dad's w- wife is... From Laos, a real person? No, 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 King of the Hill. Hill, Like uh, I don't know what this is. The Mike Judge cartoon. Yeah. Oh, she just said a cartoon character, and I thought you meant King of Queens, and I was like, "Are you talking about Leah Remini?" And I was like, "No, she's like that Scientology girl." Yeah, former, former. Yeah, I know, but she's all big into it now. No, she's not into it. She's into calling out Scientology. All right, so this is Lena Long, L A N A Long. Wait, is that his wife? Whose wife? The killer. No, Long? That's no, the this victim. is the, the girl covered in maggots. Well, I'm he. His last name was also Long, right? <gasps> oh, oh, I didn't even think he, about that. Oh, yeah. Shit, no, I didn't think about that either. This was is it? a not no, in re- any relation. No relation. He didn't okay. even know her name. Okay. So that's not a bathing suit. Why don't you take another guess of what her occupation is? Oh, is she a sex worker? She is 
Well, she's a go-go dancer, but oh. pretty sure she's also a sex worker. I didn't see any confirmation that said she's a sex worker like the other girls in this story, but she does work at a place called the Sly Fox, and she does strip. So I would imagine, you know, she is a sex worker as well. And that's how also I imagine that she came into contact with Bobby Jalong. Like Although yeah. not exactly. necessarily strippers are not necessarily sex workers. True. And I don't know if she was or not. I didn't actually see that she was, but she did work at the Sly Fox. So Lena Long, Asian, petite, jet black hair, 88 pounds, 5'2". Now let's talk about the murder a little. 88 pounds? Yeah. 5'2". She tiny. She is tiny. I'm Five four, and we're just not going to go into how much more than her I weigh. How much you weigh? I'm not going to say. Let's that. just say that it's you could not eighty eight pounds. You ninety eight. Uh, I wish. Well, I thought you said ninety eight pounds. So Nicole brought up the fact that she is very tiny. So think about that when she's in the cow pasture with this guy who is over six feet and he's two hundred pounds. Oh God, so, yeah, she didn't stand a chance. Yeah, she didn't. The murder was horrendous. Mm. The uh, detectives actually called it a, quote, slaughter. Ooh, like an animal. Yeah, I mean, and it's kind of ironic that she was in the cow pasture and now, she was tied up like a calf. Is that where oh. all, all the victims are found in, in cow no, no. farming? No, but um, they are thrown where no one's going to find them immediately. For instance, there's one victim we're going to talk about. Thrown in the uh, um, thrown in an orange orchard. You know, Florida's big oh, on their oranges. Yeah. So the murder of Lena Long was horrendous. Her arms were tied behind her back. A restraining rope was tied around her neck. The knot area of the rope, and I shouldn't say rope. I should say what it really was. It was a noose. Mm. It was wrapped three times around her neck, and the knot area was in front of her neck. So what happens in a hanging situation when someone is hung, their neck snaps and the uh, hyoid bone breaks. So Mm. in a few of these victims, the hyoid bone in the neck is what connects your esophagus. And I'm not a doctor, so it's that little bone in your neck that was broken Mm -hmm. in multiple different spots. So that's how hard he was pulling on it. Like I said, the knot area was in the front. He was behind her pulling on the rope. Her back was arching. Her neck was kind of looking back at him. Because if you think about it, the ropes around her neck, he's behind her. Mm-hmm. She is completely naked. She's getting raped. And he is just pulling as hard as he can, mm. strangling her with enough force to break her hyoid bone. And not only that, she can't fight or anything because her hands are also tied behind her back and her feet are bound. She is completely helpless. There's nothing she could have done. And just the style of murder, it's just so dehumanizing. I mean, because he's, I mean, I'm trying to give you a good picture behind her pulling her neck and then raping her at the same time. This is like the worst, not, you know, the worst we've ever done, but pretty up there. It's pretty bad. This is the first murder. So he's starting off like that. I mean, granted, he's Jesus, raped hell, yeah. hundreds of people, but mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Up to 150 people. Jeez. There was a white silk cloth that he was using as a gag that was found at the 
crime scene. The cause of death was strangulation, but she was also beaten pretty badly as well. Now, here is some tire tracks right here. This is actually really important in the case. And I believe they did an episode on forensic files. I didn't actually watch it on this case. But forensics is what caught this criminal. The tire tracks? Well, not only the tire tracks, but this tire track is different because this is a Goodyear Viva tire. And the other three tires, this is the passenger rear Mm -hmm. tire, is completely different than the other three. Yeah, so was it a spare or was it they he just got a different tire than the other three? I, it was a different tire. The Goodyear Viva tire only comes on expensive Cadillacs, which is kind of weird. That's why I don't that's why I don't want to call it a spare because he didn't drive a Cadillac. But this tire is very rare. Hmm. And the track that they plastered really helped really helped narrow it down to find the killer. So almost as if he lifted it to try to throw people off so they can't say that there were four matching tires, but it almost made it easier for the police to find him. Yeah, that's a good point, but he didn't do it on purpose. He's Um, just... Not smart. Yeah. He's very reckless. I mean, he's... For instance, a semen is found inside of her, pubic hair. Ugh. I mean, the, the whole gambit. He just didn't, you know... He just didn't try. Yeah. All right. This is a another picture of Lena Long. John Cochran is the one that identified her. They were friends. He comes in, and he's the one that initially filed the missing person report. Her real name is Nguyen Da Long. I'll probably mispronounce that, but Lena Long is her stage name, I guess, if you will. How old do you think she is, or she was? 23. That was close. 22 years old. She immigrated with her family from Laos to California. They got out there. Then he meets a movie director of some sorts that got a job in Florida. So he so she moved to Florida to make ends meet. She started go go dancing. And that's when she got involved with the drugs and the prostitution and and ultimately, the guy that killed her. Hmm. Now, if you want to read this, this is a quote from the Sly Fox owner, the uh, club she was working in. She was bubbly, said Sly Fox owner Lamar Golden. A really fun girl. I think her biggest problem was a drug addiction. She didn't have a car either. Knew she was forever trying to get rides. Okay, so I didn't actually see that she was a sex worker, but I know she was a stripper. She was drug addicted. Very unreliable. She was working the night shift. She was always high on cocaine. She went out with multiple men. And her dreams, she wanted to study art at the University of South Florida, but she never reached those dreams. None of her family knew about her occupation, and she wasn't close to the Asian community. Yeah. Now, what do you think this is right here? Blood. A hair follicle. That came from his left gonad. Yeah. I was joking. <laughs> that is a thread, a red thread, what you're looking at there. There's forensics. This this is one of the things that helped solve the case, the forensics. It actually comes from the carpet of his car, the killer's car. Oh. So in this time, in the late 70s, early 80s, 
people had shag carpet in their freaking cars. And really? Yeah. Was... Red, red interior, yeah. <laughs> I remember like red interior being a thing. Yeah. Not that I was alive for it, but I didn't realize there was shag carpet in the car as well. What you're looking at now is a newspaper clipping from the Tampa Tribune Times, Sunday, June 17th. 1984 so the last murder happened in may so this is now june and the headline says unsolved murders of women so this is before bobby long was caught but this is a new victim so if you want to read this nicole this is from that paper michelle denise sims 22 of fort pierce her nude body was found May 27, 1984, in the woods northeast of Plant City, a half mile north of the Interstate 4 Park Road overpass. She had been battered and stabbed and her hands were bound, sheriff's officials said. Right there, you can kind of see a similarities between her and the last one. Mm-hmm. She was nude, her hands were bound, and she's found really close to an interstate overpass. And it's relatively close to where the other murder happened. And the victim is young, same age, actually, 22. Three of the victims in this story actually knew each other. They all worked at the Sly Fox. Mm. Yeah. So he frequented there. Uh Oh, yeah. This is her photo right here. Her name is Michelle Denise Sims. Can you describe her? She's got feathered 70s hair, it looks more like, in Mm. this picture. Brown hair, brown eyes. Um, you know, very pretty girl. So remember what she looks like there. She is a former California beauty contestant. Her name is Michelle Denise Sims. Now, two weeks after Lena Long is found murdered, her body is also uncovered. So the picture you're looking at now is a, a great profile shot of her. Now look what she looks like when she gets into the drugs and the prostitution. Oh. Doesn't she look like worn down Mm. this is what drugs and prostitution does it's interesting that she's the second one well i know this is only the second victim we've discussed but she also came from california to florida yeah i was gonna say that too okay if you want to read this this is a quote from one of her friends michelle was going through about one thousand dollars a week for cocaine jesus christ he reported (laughs) she was a lot of money man yeah yeah Jesus. A week. I know. And that was in the 80s. Well, yeah. that's like the peak of cocaine times. I know. That's like what I make f- like per paycheck. In a year. Oh, paycheck. <laughs> in a year, yeah. Uh, she was getting into freebasing. I was trying to get her to quit. It was ruining her life. Freebasing is a way to get more out of the cocaine. So I am not addicted to cocaine, so I can't really tell you, but I know you have to... You have to like heat it up and you're just getting the 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 fumes, I guess. Huh. Wait, I'm not sure. It's, it's how you can get more more of a high off the cocaine. And I think you inject it. I don't know. I didn't really look it up, but I know it's it's, you know, worse for you, obviously. Jeez. Sounds intense. Yeah. So Michelle was a sex worker. Now, this is kind of crazy. When her body was found, it was actually found by a construction worker. And the paper said this guy was a burly construction worker. Oh, I drink nothing but Budweiser type of thing. And he, after seeing her body, started weeping. 
that was the terms that the media used. He, oh, dear. He no. went to his knees and started weeping. It's pretty bad. Yeah. 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 That ain't good. She was lying nude on her back. Her cheeks and neck were caked with dried blood from a knife slashing. A rope was round around her neck and her arms were tied at the wrists and secured around her body. All she wore were an ankle bracelet and round pierced earrings. All right. So hanging from a nearby tree limb was swaying in the wind. And one paper described it kind of like as a, a spirit was her white pantyhose, and they were drenched in oh. blood, but they were just kind of, you know, the breeze was kind of... Sh- weird. Yeah, it was really weird. I'm kind of glad that you said that, because at first I thought you were going to say that she, she was, was hanging oh, from the tree. <laughs> I was like, no, oh I my was God. too. No. <laughs> okay. No, I'd she- much rather find bloody pantyhose than find a dead body, but clearly her body was found as well. So yeah. this doesn't really make anything better. They yeah. were So her clothes were completely bloody, um, a hang a hangman slip knot was wrapped around her neck three times, just like the previous victim. Her neck was nearly severed off, and this mm. is really twisted because there was a noose around her neck, but the cut on her neck of it almost being severed was below the noose, which oh. means that the serial killer almost cut her head off. And then put the noose around it so to stop the bleeding so he can choke her. Oh, my God. You know what I'm saying? It's like he tourniquet, put a tourniquet around her neck. Just to strangle her. Just to strangle her. Isn't that crazy? See, and and they were worried about humanely killing this guy. So he. Yeah, good point. He cut her so deep in the neck that it was bleeding out. He takes the noose, puts it around her neck. So she's basically the blood is slowed down so she's not going to bleed to death within like 50 seconds. Now she's getting strangled to death, which takes a few minutes. Mm -hmm. It's just like bad. And the same MO, he was behind her pulling the noose as hard as he can, breaking the hyoid bone while he was raping her as well. Her upper arms were bound behind her back with a green t-shirt and there was pubic hair, semen, and blood collected at the scene, more red fibers, and there was also a Michelob bottle. He was actually drinking while a beer this. while doing this. Interesting. Which is why I wanted Michelob. Michelob sucks. Yeah, I don't know why anyone would ever want yeah. Michelob. That's like when I had my golf tournament the other day, I got a text from my friend that was like, oh, they're going to have a free beer beer cart. And I was like, oh, cool. But is it good beer? I bet you it's like going to be Coors Light or Miller Light or something. And guess what? It was literally Coors Light, Miller Light, and Bud Light. How do you I s- can do Coors. I mean, I'll drink it. It's not my first choice. But if it was just Bud Light, I'd be like, fuck it. I'm not even going to drink. I mean, I brought my own beer. I like Michelob Ultra. Lance Armstrong I, drinks that stuff. Lance Armstrong. There's a lot of things problematic with that. Oh my God. He is not a disgrace. How I is didn't he say disgrace? he is disgraced. I, I, I didn't say he is a disgrace. I said he was disgraced because there was that whole testosterone injection thing. thing. But then he also has like one Dude, ball. So maybe he's just trying to even the playing field. athlete out there that is any good dopes. I mean, come on, man. I don't dope. Well, you you were also a school counselor, so I don't think you would need to. <laughs> yeah, but back in my athletic days, I didn't do. If you want to read this, Nicole, this is from uh, the book Bound to Die by Anna Flowers. The cranial bones were intact, 
There was moderately extensive hemorrhaging. The skull had received five heavy blows. There was a one inch by two inch area of reddish purple contusions on the lateral left temporal lobe, but it did not extend to the white matter. There was also massive injuries to the muscle of the neck overlying the voice box and the skin of the neck. This, together with pinpoint hemorrhages of the whites of her eyes, indicated the victim had been strangled or at the point of death. So it's crazy to find this out. They have to take the victim, the medical examiner, cut the skull, take the brain out, and then look for bruising. So they basically peel the scalp back, uh, uh-uh. the hair and everything, cut the skull with a saw. You remember the boys on the track where he was like cutting the... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so they use a freaking circular saw, cut the skull, then take the brain to see if it's bruised. Seems kind of... Cool. <laughs> you're a little too excited about that process okay so what we're reading now is the fbi profile and it's actually pretty accurate so they sent the uh, florida task force here a complete profile of the killer before they knew who the killer was this is after the third victim i believe so we're going to be reading some of it but i'll link the whole thing on talkmore.com A lot of it is accurate, as you'll see. So if you want to read some of this. The ropes found around the necks of each of the victims were leash-like leaders, demonstrating a deviant personality trait in the murderer. The killer is probably white in his mid-twenties and is most likely to be a gregarious individual who is an extrovert and manipulative of others. I think it's so interesting how they come about these FBI profiles. Well, Well, this one's actually pretty accurate. If you want to read these, I mean, you'll see, and I'll kind of go through a little more. It's a whole thing, so we're not going to read it all, but I kind of pointed the highlights. He is an argumentative individual who does not keep his anger inside, but who vents his emotions, thereby frequently getting into arguments and fights. He is in all likelihood self-centered and selfish and exhibits little or no emotion. This individual feels he must be the leader of the pack and has strong identification with his macho image. Frequently, he will be found to have one or more tattoos exhibiting more masculine aspects of his personality. It's kind of almost like... Fascinating. It's like a horoscope. Yeah, I was just going to say, it's like you took a BuzzFeed (laughs) quiz and this is your result. Yeah. (laughs) I want to know what what an FBI profiler would say about me. Yes. Well, that means we'd have to like kill somebody first and then see what they say about Well, why don't you just ask your neighbor? All right. This is the killer we're talking about tonight, Bobby Joe Long. He sat on death row for 34 years. He definitely looks like a Floridian. It's the mustache. Well, he's not from Florida. Well, he lives in Florida. He lives in Florida. These crimes are committed in Florida. Yeah. Is he a a resident of Florida? He moved to Florida when he was two. Okay. Oh, come on. (laughs) But he's not from Florida. Okay. All right. All right. He's actually from West Virginia. All right. Well... (laughs) Case in point. <laughs> well, now he has adopted the Florida lifestyle. Yeah. I bet Best you of both worlds. Bet you he's a Buccaneers fan. Ugh. Bobby Joe Long was born in Canova, West Virginia. Now, Canova is a very industrial town. Coal? Coal, transportation, stuff like that. It's an industrial city with coal plants and steel mills and train tracks everywhere. Very boring. His parents, father, Joe, mother... Luella, like Louis, but Luella. Hmm. They married in 1952, and within one year, their only son, Bobby Joe Long, was born. Luella wanted to desperately move to Florida because 
for some reason in her mind, Florida was nothing but sunshine and rainbows, which it is, you know, but she moved down there without any prospects or without any money and soon found herself stripping. Uh, oh, yeah. That's sad. I was going to say, you can move places without, you know, jobs and things like that. Yeah. Sometimes it works out. Well, no. It does. All you got to do and is. And I only had to do minor stripping. Well, you just use the secret. And I only had to live in a hotel for two weeks. <laughs> All you got to do is watch the movie The Secret and then get on the pole. Right. Now, if the- I got on the pole, people would pay me to get away. <laughs> <laughs> They're paying you nonetheless. That's true. That's all that matters. They would pay me to not strip. All right. Please put it back on. A little bit about the father. Now, this is extremely important for my new podcast. This is the hint I wanted to tell you guys. Ooh. Bobby Joe Long is schizophrenic. And I just recently learned this, but schizophrenics often have a very unique type of family. Really? And that Hmm. is with the mother being domineering, as in the new podcast we're about to do, Mm -hmm. that I'm about to launch. So there's your hint for that. And the father, this is really important, the father being kind of submissive and weak and not able to stick up for his son. Hmm. For some reason, and they've studied this in multiple schizophrenics, that family dynamic exists. The mother is domineering, often devoutly religious and even fanatical about religion. And the father usually gets slapped around by the mother, doesn't stick up for the child in any way. The child ends up bonding with the mother and is completely absorbed by the mother, can never leave her side, you know, always with her. Interesting. And has, and has an unnatural attachment to his mother. I wonder because uh, if it's because he sees the mother as, as the dominant parent. And I don't it. know. Um, but there is a book, and I haven't started reading this yet, but it explains this process. Hmm. But the podcast that I'm about to launch on a certain killer is very dependent and obsessive with his own mother. So that's the hint for you guys. Interesting. So the father was very submissive and the mother pretty much said, you know what, whatever, I'm taking my son and moving to Florida. Now this is a very unrealistic dream she had. She thought everything was going to be completely fine, just moving randomly down to Florida And she got there with no money and realized that she had to wait tables. She was a car hop. She did whatever she could, but she couldn't make enough money. So she ended up on the pole. And then she ended up being a sex worker. Mm -hmm. Now, here is where some of the trouble really started. So at two years old, Bobby and his mother moved down to Florida. And she starts stripping. Not only that, she's also making money by bringing guys to the home. Now, this is a one-room hotel room that they're staying in and the mother for several years is bringing different guys one a night and having sex with them in the room with her son because it's like a hotel room kind of reminds me remember that movie yeah the florida movie the florida project i think it was that was a great movie yeah yeah if you guys want a really good movie to watch that will kind of make you sag the florida project it's an indie film I think it was nominated for an Academy Award. Yeah, mm. it's a uh, it's about a mother that is doing the same thing, 
pretty much. It's just and she's like living in a motel near yeah near near Disney, Disney? World. It's a really good movie, so check that one out. Hmm. But um, I put it on my list. It was good. It um, like the way it was done. It was very very real. Like it seemed like you were it because it follows the kids playing like the Blair the Witch Project. No, no, no. Like it was it was like it, it spent more time focusing on like the kids perspective and how they would they sob like playing with each other oh, like a real documentary tra- not like kind the Blair Witch. Tra- was yeah. it real like was it like it's was a supposed- movie it's not a documentary but is it is it like the Blair Witch Project that they make you think Why it's you- real because the Blair Witch Project completely is a horror movie yes yeah. Yeah. it's <laughs> fake and they made is it, it like seem the like the Matrix it was- where it's not in real life no, but no, in but a you computer know what, do you know what I'm talking about <laughs> how like they made it seem like it was real footage it's kind of like that movie yeah. um uh, paranormal activity where they use a, a camera to film it yes yeah i, <laughs> I okay you just have to watch it to to get it okay i watched paranormal about. activity in theaters when it first came out and i literally had Hell to have my father read no. me to sleep that night because i was so terrified oh, dude, i was like I can you please i would have like read you a, a ghost story i was like can you please <laughs> read me some dr seuss like i was 14 years old or something no my, no i wasn't 14 i was like 16 we're, 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 that didn't make it better. No, I, I, you were sixteen. That was fourteen. No, wait. and your father. I was sixteen. Your father I had to you, read you to sleep I at sixteen. I was so scared. Did you check in the closet and under the bed? No, I did that. I just like did. Okay, so like I lived on a separate floor. My parents floor. were like, "Go get a fucking job." Like, check under the bed. I don't like scary movies. Okay, like we already know I don't fuck with ghosts. So when I saw that, even though I know it was a movie, it's still scary me straight and i was I, still technically a minor so i was it's okay it's okay it's okay all right this is a quote from the mother he had a very tormented childhood his mother admitted some of the places we lived weren't good i was scared to death but i didn't know what else to do she also said that quote he was such a sad little boy back then bobby joe long is abnormally attached to his mother insecure attachment style and he then sees his mother wearing these kinky sexy outfits and bringing guys home and all of a sudden you know he's not her little boy anymore he's cast aside while the mother goes out and sexes it up you know he is and he feels neglected because he's so attached to his mother and now he feels threatened by that because she is doing this, bringing guys home all the time. And he is not going out with her to the mall and stuff like this. She's just hooking. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So he feels like he's losing his mother. And I didn't really get into it because I don't want to make this two parters. But this is a very big deal with this case. The over attachment to the mother because the defense actually brings up multiple mental illnesses that he suffers from. There were numerous psychiatrists studying this guy. In fact, they didn't want to kill him because if they did that, science would not be able to study his mind. Mm. This is how like screwed up this guy is. Interesting. This is a picture of his mother and him. That's when they moved to Florida. You see the palm trees back yeah, there. Yeah, you can tell it's like in the 50s. Yeah. So when Bobby Joe Long was seven, his mother starts talking with her ex-husband again, and they move back temporarily up to West Virginia. 
now something happens around this time that is very important and is going to be brought up by the defense later. When he was about seven years old in West Virginia, he was running in the snow and he was bundled up just like that guy off the Christmas story. The one that stuck his tongue on the pole. Yes. Yeah. So he was bundled up like that, but he ran out in front of a car that was going like 50 miles an hour. Oh my gosh. And if it wasn't for him looking like that dude in the Christmas story, he would have been dead. But he was really badly injured. Because he he was was so puffed up? Yeah, he was so puffed up. (laughs) He was badly injured. He was unconscious for hours. And since then, he had a deformed jaw. His jaw was really deformed. And Mm. you can see a picture of his teeth all like cut up and out of his mouth. So he was hit in the face? No, he was just hit. And he flew like 30 feet. An impact messed up And the impact. And he hit... And he hit his head, which is one of the most important things. He hit his head, knocked his teeth out. He broke his jaw. And from then on, that is one of the things he's going to be bullied about. So after this incident, the mother and Bobby Jo Long moved back to North Miami Beach, where her sisters and seven of Bobby's cousins and her mother move into that little shanty. And she's trying to take care of 15 people in the house. So she is now working over shifts as a sex worker to bring in more money, working way too much. And it really... That is not a job I would want to... Yeah, exactly. Me either. As I said, he became emotionally attached to his mother, but she needs to start making more money. She started working at Big Daddy's Lounge. And that's when Bobby started getting extremely angry. And he also stopped going to school, which was also in the FBI report. Oh. Okay. Is this while he's a, is he a teenager at this point? Yeah, he's a teenager. Okay. Was he a good student? Oh, that's a really good question. He was a pretty bad student, but he was pretty smart. He had a 118 IQ when they tested him after hmm. he was arrested. Okay. You know, which is... Below average for me, but above average for a normal person. Yeah. I've never taken an IQ test. I'm curious what I look really? for. Yeah. I think I took one when I was in college when I was getting my career assessment done, but I don't remember what the score was. All right. This is from the book Bound to Die by Anna Flowers. If you want to read this. Later, Rudy Mikado, a classmate and friend of Bobby Joe's in junior high and high school, characterized these years for police. Long was smart, but did not make good grades, Machado said. He was a smart-ass type who never participated in sports or extracurricular activities. He got into a lot of general mischief, but I don't remember him being in trouble with the police. So before we started the story, I gave you guys the hint, X chromosome. And this is the first time I've heard of this, but not only did he have a deformed jaw and a bunch of other problems we're about to talk about, and he had crazy attachment issues to his mother he was born with Kleinfelter syndrome what the hell is that it is when a male is born with an extra x chromosome which means you produce estrogen instead of testosterone oh x chromosomes are what females have I, I don't know how X-X it works well, xx well, or xy yeah. yeah everyone has one at least one yeah. x chromosome males have an xy chromosome and females have two x chromosomes well i have an xxx 
So is he? No, so are that they. sounds like a different type of genetic <laughs> syndrome, and may explain some things. So is so is he? Does he have an, a double X and a Y? Yeah, double huh. X and a Y. Interesting. And it's called Klinfelter syndrome. And the most important thing about this is he's got gynecomastia. If you want to read this, this is what gynecomastia is. Gynecomastia, sometimes referred to as, quote, man boobs, oh. is a common condition that causes boys and men's breasts to swell and become larger than normal. It is most common in teenage boys and older men. So he was bullied. I mean, he's literally got female breasts. And it's not not because it's not a weight thing. No, it's not a weight thing. You know, he I mean, you saw a picture of him here. Let me go back. This is him as a child. He's not huh, big. Yeah, no. Chubby kids have a little bit of boobs, but these are breast. They, there's a difference. Mm-hmm. They're breast, you know? Yeah. So it's not just like fat there. I mean, like mine, I have perfect sculpted pecs, but. <laughs> well, you've been working in that gym. <laughs> <laughs> mine are literally like boobs. <laughs> that is another thing he gets bullied for. And Jesus Christ, think about the bullying about that. Yeah, that about you having as breast a, as a kid, yeah. as, as a boy. Oof, Dude, that's pff, brutal. Oh mm. my God, that would be shit and horrible. Yeah. And these are some of the things that are going to come up in the trial, you know, because the uh, defense attorney, they're like, this guy had all the cards stacked up against him. Doesn't mean it didn't kill people brutally, though. Right. That's true. At 19 years old, he joined the army. Oh, well, they'll take anybody, I hear. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they will. (laughs) Uh, He was an electrician. He was stationed at Homestead Air Force Base in Florida. He married his high school sweetheart, Cynthia, in January 1974. Now, Cynthia, he met in Florida, and I heard her name also called Cindy. She's still alive. She doesn't, she did an interview about this case, but she. And him, they met when he was a kid and he had this mother issues. He meets her there and they became inseparable. They would do everything together. Now, this is when they were kids. Mm -hmm. Then they finally marry. Now, this is really important because he really loved her. Keep that in mind. This is a a picture of them together. They're married. Oh, that's sweet. So that's him wearing his... um, So had he begun raping people at this point? No, that's a really good question. Not yet. He marries in January 1974. He has never raped anyone or anything else. Two months later, he starts his raping campaign. What triggered that? That's a good question. And that's the question the defense was bringing up, too, because they were like, oh, yeah, this guy fell in love with his high school sweetheart. He never did anything bad. And then all of a sudden... All of a sudden, he becomes a straight monster, raping 150 women, killing, you know, every woman he can find. I mean, it's bad. So what happened? Well, he had another head injury. Oh, I was going to say his mom died. That's a that would have been a great guess. Yeah, because the story that I'm doing for the other podcast that is the case. Mm-hmm. And the reason I'm bringing this head injury up, especially if you're new to true crime, a lot of serial killers have had traumatic head injuries. A lot. I mean, I remember the first few episodes we did. 
there is always some head injury. Hmm. He has three in total. Two when he's a kid, he gets hit by a car. One, he falls off a swing. And that was brutal, too. He loses un- he loses consciousness. He bangs his head on the sidewalk. Ooh. And this one is the one that did it. So one month after they got married, he was in a motorcycle accident. Was he wearing a helmet? He was wearing a helmet. And if he wasn't, then there would have been 10 less dead victims. Because the crash was so bad, the helmet split in half. Oh, wow. Yeah. So... That is all you need to know. He flew about 30 feet, preened off the bike, got hit. He crushed his leg to the point where doctors were thinking about amputating it. Huh. This was in early 1974. He had just married his wife, wow. the one he's loved. And he split his helmet in half. Intense brain damage. I mean, if you saw the movie Concussion, you know those guys. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the TBI is a real thing. Mm -hmm. Now, this guy, a month later, and it started when he was in the hospital in the cast. He started demanding his wife to have sex with him multiple times a day in the hospital. It used to be just once every two days, three days, like a normal normal couple, maybe once every two or three years, right? (laughs) 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 but he demanded it twice three times a day now this is brand new brand new he completely changed his whole family said now he's jekyll and hyde Mm. he literally has a split personality with his split helmet it's kind of like phineas gage yeah Mm. exactly that's a great point if you guys don't know who phineas gage is he was a railroad worker and they had put some tnt up and he had a railroad spike go through his cranium it changed his personality it changed his personality completely he was the same person the exact same person but people thought he was just completely different he was Mm. a completely different guy like he was so mild-mannered before and then he was just really crass and rude after and it was just totally altered his personality yeah so that's a really good point i didn't think of phineas gage when i was doing this but that sums up this guy perfectly because he wasn't like this before he was a he did have some issues a lot of mental issues a lot well it 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 all kind of came to a head like yeah clearly he went through yeah he went through all of that stuff with his mom you know being a sex worker and witnessing all that and and then it's like a trigger i guess I mean, this is definitely a direct correlation with his, because even his family said he was Jekyll and Hyde. And there is a video when he's in court, and I'll put on talkmer.com, the cameraman was in the courtroom filming, and this sums him up completely. He walks over to the cameraman, and as soon as he sees the camera in his face, he didn't see it when he started walking, he immediately spits in the camera. But it's not the spit that's, telling it's his face if you still frame his face you see because he was mild-mannered just two seconds ago he was you know yeah he was getting tried for murder but he was just walking normally like head down just in thought and then in a split second that he saw the camera his face distorted into what looks like pure evil like a different person hmm. like Jekyll and Hyde and I, and I can put that still shot on talkmar.com but it's it's telling it, it 
It shows you that personality. And more importantly, it shows you what the sex workers saw. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. Oh. They, they because a sex worker that gets murdered, they don't get into a killer's car thinking he may be a serial killer. They get into the car thinking, okay, he's got money and he looks like he's not going to murder me. He's generous. You know, he's he, he looks normal. And then all of a sudden his face distorts and he's some monster and he's tying you up. So that's the face. During the days and weeks that followed, Cindy noticed distinct changes in his behavior. His sex drive had definitely increased and he was insisting on sexual activity each time she visited him. Nurses reported that in addition to this, he was masturbating four or five times a day. Ew. Yeah, you better up your numbers, son. Since the accident... Bobby Joe was like a Jekyll and Hyde. He could be as sweet as can be, and the next minute there would be nothing but anger and shouting. I'm not going to go into him being the classified ad rapist. That's a whole nother story. I am not trying to make this two parts, and it's already going to be long. So just know that... He started with the rapes. He started with the rapes, yeah. All right, let's talk about his M.O. right quick. Now, the best way to do that is to go through another victim. This is Elizabeth Loudenbach. She's 22. She is not a sex worker. So Mm -hmm. there's his M.O. changing right there. Mm -hmm. He's usually the first two victims were sex workers. She is not. She actually worked with her mother on an assembly line for an electronics factory. She's very shy. She wears glasses. Can you describe her for, for the audience? Um, brown hair, bangs, um, thick glasses, it looks like. You can tell just by looking at her that she's the shy type. Yeah, she doesn't seem to be, well, she, her, she has a closed mouth smile, so maybe that she's, you know. She's I definitely think, not a sex worker, is what I'm saying. So how being in front of a camera. So how is she getting picked up by this guy? Now, she's 22 years old. So this is June 8th. Mm-hmm. So this is two weeks after the last one mm-hmm. and two week, or four weeks after the one before that. She cashes her paycheck and she was never seen again. Mm. Does this guy drive cars? Is he a driver? Like a taxi driver? Was she or something? hitchhiking? No, that's a good question. Um, she wasn't hitchhiking, no. Well, she was hitchhiking, but she wasn't like putting her thumb up. She was just, her home, her trailer was like a mile from her work. He's not a driver. In fact, when he was discharged from the army, he became a uh, an X-ray tech. Huh. What do you call it? Like he got a degree from the GI Bill, and he became an X-ray technician, okay. like for hospitals, yeah, yeah. Ra- radiology or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's what he was doing. But another mm-hmm. thing about the FBI report, if you guys remember reading this. They say he can never keep a job. And if he had a job, it'd only be for 90 days. And that is exactly what happened. He Hmm. would jump from job to job. In fact, and he was an x-ray technician. He was fired once because he was unnecessarily telling the women that were coming to get x-rays that they had to take all their clothes off to get an x-ray. Oh, Jesus. Yes. (laughs) It goes through your clothes. (laughs) I know. So he was fired for that. Yeah, he should be. You know? Yep. That's definitely a fireable offense there. Exactly. Oh, yeah, dude. Now that would end you up in some kind of jail. Anyway, this is his car, a 1979 Dodge Magnum. It looks like a old police chase car. Magnum P.I. Magnum P.I. This has the red shaggy carpet and the word Magnum on the dash. Here is the M.O., and I'm going to explain it 
with this girl's murder, Elizabeth Loudonback. She's 22. She was picked up in the car. Now, she wasn't a sex worker, so he just pulls over. Hey, you want a ride? And she gets in. Immediately, he pulls either a knife or gun. He reclines the seat. Now, he always does. This is his M.O., even with the first two. This same thing. He reclines the seat, the passenger seat, brands the knife or gun, hits them once or twice to get them to take them serious. Hey, you better not talk. Boom, right in the face. And continuing on, this is what he does. The man smiled, and as soon as she was in the car, he pulled a knife from under the seat. She screamed and cried, but he slapped her and warned her to be quiet. Even though she obeyed, he hit her again as he was tying her hands. She shuddered when he pulled down her jeans and forced her to take them off. He made her lie face down on the reclined seat, tied her arms behind her, and then raped her from behind. So usually he would rape them before he gets to the kill location uh-huh. and then rape them again. Uh-huh. Then he would kill them, strangle them, like we talked about with a noose. Right. Once he's done and they're dead, he would discard their clothes, throw them out the window, take any money. If they had any at one victim, he took the credit card. All right. These are the victims right here. Just uh, I'm just showing them an image of all the victims. There's 10 that he claimed he killed, but I mean, he could have killed a lot more. Who knows? Now, this is another change of M.O. What's different about this victim? Uh, she is African-American. And remember at the beginning, I said the cops did a great job. Mm-hmm. They did the task force. I mean, look what they were up against. The, the M.O.s were different a lot of the times. One was not even a sex worker. This girl, she was a sex worker, but she's an African-American. Completely different. You usually don't switch like that. Yeah, so, you usually have a type, right? Yeah, and in, and, and in fact, this particular murder was still linked to him because of the red fiber, but she was actually executed with a, a pistol, execution hmm. style in the back of the head. Oh, wow. Completely different yeah, from yeah. the other ones. Huh. Interesting. They discovered a figure lying face down in the underbrush. Her body was alive with maggots that completely covered her head and genitals. Her legs stuck out from under the fence that separated the field and the road. Now let's wrap this up. This is the only known survivor. Her name is oh. Lisa McVeigh. There's a Lifetime movie I didn't actually get to watch yet. It's uh, I think it came out in 2017. I think it's called Believe Me or something like that. It's her story. It's a okay. It's a crazy story. This is going to really shock you because this is after the murders. After all the murders, he picks up Lisa McVeigh. On November 3rd, 1984, she was riding her bicycle home from work. She is not a sex worker, but she was riding her bike home. She was working night shifts. This was 2.30 a.m. And she was riding her bike. Yeah, I know. Like, not a good time to do this. And she hears someone honk at her. There's no one on the road. So she gets freaked out. Anyway, this guy drives off. And then he actually pulls this car into a local church and he jumps behind a random van parked on the side of the street and he waits for her to pass him on her bicycle. And she does not know he's there at all. When she passes him, he grabs her hair. Now she's riding the bicycle. He jumps out, grabs her hair and jerks her to the ground. Oh my gosh. The bicycle falls and she falls and hits her face right on the pavement. And then he, you know, whisked her into his car. 
you want to read this? She screamed as he pressed a gun to her throat. I'll kill you if you don't be quiet. He warned. She believed him and did as he ordered. He forced her to walk backwards across the street to his car, where he pushed her in through the driver's door. Once inside, he demanded she remove her clothes, and he felt her firm body. Do anything you want, she pleaded. Just spare my life. Mmm, nice breast, he said. He unzipped his pants and forced her to perform oral sex on him. Afterward, he warned her to keep her eyes closed. He started the car and drove off, making her continue. As he was driving along, he stopped her before he ejaculated. He pushed her back in the reclined passenger seat, touching her body. He said, Mmm, you and I are going to have a real good time, aren't we? The cloth was looped around her ankles and each ankle was tied, but he had allowed ample space between her legs. She was not tied to the bed, and sometime early in the morning, he untied her legs altogether and said, I trust you now. So, do you guys see the Jekyll and Hyde right here? Mm-hmm. He just ripped her off of her bicycle, drug her in his car, made her perform oral sex on him, was, you know, pushing her around, put a blindfold over her, threw her into his apartment, violently raped her, and now he unties her and says, I trust you now. So she even says in her interview that one minute he was the nicest person ever and it was saying stuff like, I wish we could have met under different circumstances. Oh my God, you are so pretty. And then all of a sudden it was this monster. He would violently rape her. He would beat her. And she was only there for 48 hours in custody of him. This is after the murders. And she's a survivor. And well, he she let her go. Yeah. Hmm. He let her go. This is a real Jekyll and Hyde. And I'm not going to get into the psychology, but there's a lot of psychiatrists that have diagnosed this guy with a bucket list of of disorders. Hmm. Oh, yeah. I believe it. So Lisa McVeigh, she survives because he drops her off in the middle of the road. And he's really nice. It's like if he... Would have dropped her off maybe 20 seconds after he would have been Jekyll. Right. Wait, which right, one's right, right. The, the monster? Hyde or Jekyll? Jekyll. Jekyll. He would have been Jekyll. But instead no, he was Hyde. No, wait. Sorry. Or, you know, whatever. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. But the bad it, bar- it's, person. It's like bipolar to the extreme. Mm. It's a light switch with this guy. And she is extremely lucky. Anyway, Lisa McVeigh was crucial to getting this guy locked up. Yeah. She, in a blindfold, described the the floor layout of the apartment, right? Mm -hmm. And she described what signages she was passing, what the car was. I mean, she remembers looking through her blindfold a little bit and seeing the word Magnum on the dash. Mm -hmm. You know, that's how they knew he was driving the Magnum car, right? And there was only like a hundred of them made or something in that city. I, mm. I don't know. There was Plus not the one off tire. Yeah, right. ex- exactly. Boom. There you go. And in fact, when they arrested this guy, they didn't think it was him. The task force did a sting operation when he was in a movie theater. He was in there watching a Chuck Norris movie and the detectives were sitting behind him oh my and they were like, this is, can't be the guy. This can't be the guy who's doing this. So they had police check the tires of his car in the parking lot to make sure that it was, the right guy before they took him down. So he walks out of the Chuck Norris movie and they arrest him. Jesus. 
and he confesses everything. Oh, anyway, wow. Yeah. So Lisa McVeigh, she is a success story after this all happened, because this is her right after the kidnapping. And this is Lisa McVeigh now. Oh, wow. Oh, shit. Yeah. She not only is a very high ranking police officer, but she's also working in the same precinct that helped catch this guy in the first place. That's That's awesome. awesome. They did a fantastic job with this case. No one's denying that because you have the Green River killer who was also killing prostitutes and they're not catching this guy. But, you know, this task force was formed and within a year they caught him. So she joins the same police force and now she's a high ranking officer because she doesn't want this to happen to anyone else. And there's interviews of her talking and she has a fantastic story. That's that, really cool. Yeah, that's really cool. Th- that is basically the Bobby Joe Long story. Any questions? So he was sentenced to life in prison. He was sentenced to life. Now, the was but no, the de- death. death penalty. Sorry. He, yeah. He, but the law changed a couple times. He was convicted of nine murders and. He had fired his first defense attorney, and this new guy came in that was well-known. He worked on the Watergate case. and oh, wow. Yeah, he was like a really well-known attorney. His name was Ruben. Anyway, immediately, and now this is crazy. You guys tell me why he would do this. Bobby Geelong is accused of killing nine. The defense, his own defense lawyer, came forward and said, he admitted to another one. He should be accused of 10 victims. He just added another victim. Why did he do that? There was a specific reason he did that. Wait, the lo- his attorney Yeah, his attorney this? brought a new victim to the table that they would never have known was Doesn't related. Doesn't that violate attorney-client privilege? It's like the first time ever this happened. No, he wanted him to do that. Oh. and But there's a reason why he did it. And the reason he did that is because he wanted to play up the mental illness disease and say, look, there's even more victims that he was, you know, insane at the time of doing mm-hmm. this. And there's even more, you know, he's, he was just out of his mind the whole time. Mm -hmm. So they actually, and it was, it was a weird play and it didn't really work, but it was kind of interesting that he did that. Another thing is they accused him of 10 and he made a plea bargain. You remember the second murder we did, the Sims murder? Yep. Yeah. He said, all right, how about this? Life in prison for every one of them. And the only one that you'll be tried for the death penalty for is the Sims case. So basically you have a one in 10 chance or whatever the odds is that you'll be sent to death. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of a weird plea bargain. Yeah. Yeah. They did all kinds of weird things, but anyway, that that's part of the reason he sat in freaking death row for 34 years. You know what I'm saying? He was finally executed last year. And it was a silent death. I mean, we, we've we been doing this podcast. I didn't even see it on the news feed. Right. You know what I'm saying? So was it the painful um, injection? No, it wasn't. It was the less painful chemical. Hmm. But, I mean, honestly, this story can go on forever. There's a lot more that I, I didn't get into, but I don't want to make... I, I don't want to do two parts anymore, you know, with, with stuff. So any that's other crazy. questions? Yeah. No, I think you did a good job there. But that's the Bobby Joe Long story. He was convicted 
of killing 10, raping 150. Jesus. Yeah, he probably killed more than that. He was sentenced to death. And throughout the years, he had a pill after a pill and a reversal after reversal after reversal. And he just sat on death row for 34 years. Wow. In fact, I want to do one of the cases that his lawyer had done and was really well known for. It was a murder case that he tried unsuccessfully, but is another one of those weird things. He tried to get his client off scot-free mm-hmm. for a murder because he was influenced by subliminal messages on television to kill and i didn't really look into the thing but it didn't work but still it's like wow like just to bring that up that he was hypnotized basically by subliminal messages i don't know kind of interesting but there's yeah but there's a lot more to the story obviously i really hope you guys enjoyed that as best as we can any murder yeah Mm -hmm. it's been a while since we did a serial killer like I said, I do have a that big project coming up, a uh, new podcast. I'm really excited about it. It's only going to be four episodes. And this murder right here kind of relates to that with the mother issues, being bound to your mother, having an abnormal attachment to your mother. So the podcast I'm about to launch, the killer has this abnormal attachment to his mother. So that's the hint. Sweet. So... That's all I have. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Make sure to go to talkmer.com. Leave me a comment. Tell me what you think of this episode and talk to me on there. So my name is John. I'm sitting here with Jen and Nicole. Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button and I will talk to you next time. Good night, you lovely, lovely people.